0: Coming up on Golf Today, the PGA Tour back in action on Maui at the Century Tournament of Champions. 17 of the top 20 ready to go to work trying to start the new year right. How about some bold predictions for 2023? Who will bring home the big hardware, make a stand up and cheer? In short, who will shock the world? And we celebrate the life of a legend, Kathy Whitworth, who passed away on Christmas Eve at the age of 83. We put her incredible achievements into perspective coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today. Ah, uh, yes, the PJ Tour begins the year in paradise this week for the Century Tournament of Champions. For the 25th time, this event will take place at the Plantation Course at Kabalura Resort with 17 of the top 20 in the world in this field. And a happy new year. This is golf today. Damon Ack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. I don't know about you, buddy. I feel like the Century Turn of Champions has its, its groove back. Designated event, 17 of the top 20, reminded me of Tiger and Ernie back in the day.
1: Yeah, it's a new year, a new era in golf with these designated events that, that fans have been talking about as elevated events for so long, but they are f- formally known designated events and it's sometimes hard to tell at a tournament like century what has changed because it's always been a small field it's always been a very elite field of winners on the pga tour but one thing that is an indicator of how much has changed is the prize money they're playing Mm. for 15 million dollars this year versus 8.2 million dollars in 2022 and this is also a lucrative week for guys who Featured in the player impact program because Mm. this week on the conclusion of this tournament, 75% of that bonus money is paid out.
0: Yeah, a purse uh, increase of $6.8 million. I was checking the field list. I don't see Rory McIlroy's name anywhere on it. And you're thinking, wait a second, this was the guy who kind of helped, you know, push these changes along. What should we make of Rory not being in the field this week? I don't think we should make
1: anything of it. I mean, all of these guys get at least one out from the, the 13 elevated events plus the four majors, mm. but the 13 that are under the control of the PGA Tour, the, the top 20 players, as they're, as they're deemed, uh, all get one free pass. Rory McIlroy will come later in the year. He's only ever played this event once, back in, in 2019. He finished fourth. He typically doesn't start his year until towards the end of January, either in the Middle East or sometimes at Torrey Pines. My guess is we'll first see Rory McIlroy at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, mm, that. which will also be a designated event, the first of two in a row, with the Genesis the week after that in Los Angeles. But, you know, the, the, the whole point of these events is to have the collective elite players performing together rather than focusing on where one guy is. That's the way the tour was operated for years right. and how fans reacted to it and what sponsors feared, was when is the, is the one guy who mattered mm. playing our tournament. The point of this is to prove that there are a lot of guys who add value to a tournament, so his absence yeah. shouldn't really count for much.
0: Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll see Rory in Phoenix. We'll be in Phoenix for the WM Phoenix Open as well. And as we get closer to the start of the golf in 2023, reminder, you can catch live first-round coverage of the Century Tournament of Champions tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Golf Channel. Just love this poor Crenshaw design. Highest-ranked players in this field. As mentioned, no Rory McElroy. We've got Scotty Scheffler, the Player of the Year, UCLA's own Patrick Cantlay. Rule number four, you got Will Zalatoris, number seven. He's back after some injury trouble. More on him later. Justin Thomas, nice to see JT as well with more from Maui. Let's say Happy New Year and Aloha to Todd Lewis. T. Lou, always great to spend some time with you. What are the players saying so far this week?
2: Well, they're excited to get this year kicked off and this new era kicking off as well. By the way, it's just after 7 a.m. local time here on the island of Maui. The sun is yet to creep over the mountains that are the backdrop to the plantation course here at Kapalua, and it is misty, rainy a little bit, but you won't hear me complain. This is the great uh, way to kick off 2023 is being on the island of Maui. And for the 39 players in the field, they feel the same as well. As I mentioned, this is a new era. The first of what is 17 designated events on the PGA Tour schedule for 2023. That includes the major championships, the players, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and, of course, this event as well. The average purse, $20 million right now. The purse here, $15 million. The winner this week it's $2.7 million, and there are only 39 players in the field. I caught up with some of those prominent players in the field yesterday and asked them what these designated events will do for the fans of golf and the PGA Tour.
0: I think it's a good thing because it will be highlights throughout the year to be looking forward to they are not majors of the Players' Championship. right? I would hate for golf to get to a point where nobody cares what happens 40 weeks out of the year except the majors, and I think these events, this one, especially Phoenix Open, having the Super Bowl the same week, are going to be weeks where people are going to be a little bit more intense about what's going on, because you, you will have most of the greatest players in the world playing together, which up until now, it hasn't really happened that often.
3: I mean, hopefully it's better for the fans. That's, you know, it's been a really big talking point for us to come up with the best product possible to grow the game of golf, and, you know, all, all the boys out here, uh, we've all been pretty much on the same page to try and make that happen, so... Hopefully the fan experience becomes better, uh, showing up more often at the same events becomes, you know, more likely or or uh, more obvious to the fans and uh, then producing a better product. Well, I think um, for me,
4: you know, it allows me to stack up against the best players in the world every week or every one of those designated events. And um, to know that all those guys are going to be there just about every week is, um, it's exciting. And I think, you know, that kind of goes into the fans' perspective of, you um, you know, knowing that the best players in the world are going to be teamed up together more often. Um, I think it's great for the fans. It's great for us, and uh, we're looking forward to see how it kind of it progresses. Uh, well, first and foremost, I think it's unbelievable for the fans. I mean, it's um, it's a great opportunity for them to not only see some of the top players that they get to see, but they're going to get to see all of them. And, I mean, that's um, as, a, as a golf fan myself, Uh, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't like that, you know, and then as the competitor and myself, you know, I want to compete against the best in the world and and want to do it as often as possible. And I think that's that's the product that we've we've kind of come up with. And um, and starting with this week at a beautiful place like Kapaloo is pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, the first of 17 designated events on the PGA Tour schedule for 2023, which was originated by the PGA Tour to have the best players, the most popular players playing together more often. Now, there are some significant names that are not here that were touched at the top of the show, one being Shane Lowry. He was eligible to play, according to the PGA Tour, and Rory McIlroy. But as Eamon was mentioning, mentioning, not a huge deal. You are excused one of these designated events for personal or professional reasons. But if Rory or Shane miss another one of these designated events, then they are not eligible to be fully compensated for their player impact, their PIP money, uh, which is a large amount of money that they will be playing for at the end of the year. And by the way, in regards to the conditions here on this very fun golf course, it has been fairly firm here throughout the week. Got a little bit of rain, as I mentioned earlier, but it should be firm uh, the rest of the week. The weather conditions seem dry right now. Expect a lot of birdies and the whales will be jumping out here in the
0: Pacific in the background as well. Love that. Firm and fast. How it's supposed to play. Much more from Todd Lewis from Maui in just a little bit folks take a look at the comcast business tour top 10 as recent fedex cup history suggests one of the top 10 golfers will leave the tour championship with the big trophy with the title with the cash in fact of the last five fedex cup winners were in the top 10 going into the postseason yes all roads lead to atlanta georgia and the tour championship all right folks time now to look ahead to so this year and talk about the biggest storylines, welcome in Paige McKenzie. Paige, Happy New Year. The biggest storyline for you in 2023 is what?
5: Uh, it's, I, I mean, I hate to kind of feel like I'm putting a damper on what is the kickoff of the PGA Tour season. But I think the biggest storyline is going to be live golf and how will they continue to be a thorn in the side of the PGA Tour? Uh, it was very much the talking point of last season. Uh, anxious actually to see this Netflix special that's expected to come out early this year that you might get some player perspective that would have been off uh, the press conference cameras and a little more candid on what players really feel about how this is all playing out. But I think there's just still so many questions, Damon and Eamon, of, of how how will they continue to live together uh, in this professional golf landscape?
1: Yeah, I'm totally with Paige on this as as the leading story in the game this year this was not a one-act drama in 2022 and it's fought out on a couple of different fronts there's obviously the legal front that's going on Mm. and then there's the the practical front and the first kind of benchmark that we're going to see this year comes next month in the united kingdom when the live action against the european tour to determine whether or not live players can continue to compete on the european tour the dp world tour that takes uh, center stage in court in london In February, and then there's all of the ancillary stuff going on around it. You know, can the PGA Tour keep player loyalty the way it it has over the last Mm. few months? Because you know, Greg Norman is still talking about that he's in conversations with top 10, top 20 players. He's promised between six and eight new additions to the live schedule. Well, the live schedule is eight weeks away. We still don't have the full live schedule publicised. There is no TV deal. There's no sponsor deal. We were talking about all of this off-season activity, there was going to be horse trading between teams, right. and if that's not happening either. So at a certain point, there's going to be a reckoning coming on that side of the, the ledger when Liv has to account for what is actually the return here for either spectators, players, or their investors. But there's also a reckoning on the PGA Tour as well, and it's going to be interesting to see how Jay Monaghan handles what is a very onerous task of bridging what the elite players want mm. and expect versus what the majority of the journeyman members of the pga tour are willing to concede and that's not going to be an easy thing to bridge so it's going to be an active year on all fronts and it's all related to the live question
0: isn't it amazing that the calendar has changed but the story remains the same and i'm with both you paige and eamon that live golf will be the big story in 2023 in particular to me how it relates to how it will work at the Masters Tournament, having live golfers, you know, in the first major championship of the year. I mean, on Tuesday, John Rahm was already speculating what would it be like having live golfers, not just competing, but dining at the Masters. And I know this is only probably funny to me, but I think that that Masters Champions Dinner is going to be a little tense
4: compared to how it's been in the past. So that's I keep thinking about it because I wish, I wish I could be there and, and just be able to see how, how things work out.
0: And the champion's dinner aside, will Phil Mickelson have his usual press conference? Sergio Garcia typically invited early in the week, early in the day to to accommodate the European riders and their deadlines. Will Sergio, a past champion, a a champion, be invited into into the media center? All these little, you know, kind of backstories, the dinner for sure. But will the live golfers who have worn the green jacket be treated as they always have been? That's, that's my big question. Will, will the Masters overcome all as it so often does? My
1: guess is that the Masters sees this as kind of lowering the tone, that, that the circus and its clowns have come to town. Mm. Because the Masters doesn't need this to be the biggest event in golf that everyone's waiting for. It certainly adds to the interest level, even from kind of transient sports fans. This is now really going to be the first collision that we see of, of live players and non-live players in 2023, the, the champion centre, to John Ram's point, is going to be interesting because no-one's been more vocal than Fred Couples in terms of yeah. that older generation saying that he doubts he would ever talk to Phil Mickelson again. Well, they're going to be at that dining table mm. together, assuming the live players, A, are invited, and B, that they will show up. But the Masters has always lionised its past champions. It is part of the tradition of the tournament, how they are treated. What criteria is used? Not every past champion gets invited into the press building for a... A media conference right. and that's a, a flexible criteria on who needs to talk on any given year well guys like Dustin Johnson Bryson DeChambeau they won major championships just two years ago Dustin Johnson won the Masters two years ago one would expect that he would be given the floor in in the press center there others who's to say but you can be fairly assured that the Masters is not going to take or enjoy watching golfers yeah. parade around in their, in their live gear because in Fred Ridley's statement that we saw a couple of weeks ago, it was very clear in the tone of the language that they do not perceive this to be either live golf or the division to be in the best interests mm. of the game. It's just something they're going to have to endure because to change criteria at this yeah. point leaves the Masters open to the allegation that Liv has been trying to level against everyone, Mm. which is that there is a conspiracy against them. They don't have any evidence of that, but that's what they're trying to create, that narrative. And had any tournament, be it the US Open, the Masters, or anyone else, changed its criteria... Uh, to suddenly exclude them, then that, in the mind of Liv and its supporters, becomes evidence of a conspiracy. So it shouldn't be no surprise that Liv guys are going to be there, but it's going to be a scene. Do you
0: think that uh, the Masters will overcome all? uh, We've seen, you know, contentious times in the past, issues uh, about membership, for example, and somehow the tournament seems to overcome it all uh, because of the history of the event, because of the love that the the patrons have, and the respect that the players have for the tournament, do you believe that 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 will overcome any potential discomfort that John Rahm was speaking of? The Masters is always going to be the Masters. And
1: that's not going to change. And there will be a lot of noise until we get to Thursday morning. There's always a lot of noise at tournaments until Thursday morning. Yes. If it's a live player in contention, Mm. potentially putting on that green jacket on Sunday, the noise isn't going away. But at a certain point... We all actually get to focus on the golf that really matters. Well, coming up, golf lost its all-time greatest winner over the holidays, Kathy Whitworth, who claimed 88 titles on the LPGA Tour. She died Christmas Eve at the age of 83. We'll have more on her life and impressive legacy after the break.
0: more on the life and legacy of Kathy Whitworth. We welcome in Golf Week senior writer Beth Ann Nichols. Beth Ann, you have written a lot about Kathy Whitworth in your time in this business. What are the moments about Kathy's life that stand out to you?
8: Oh, goodness. I think I, I, I mean, we can look at her resume, we can look at her records, and of course we're in awe, but but it's, it's Kathy the person that I think that uh, sticks with me the most when, when you met her she was so modest so humble you know and she loved to talk about the greats in the game and and she loved to talk about other people instead of herself and so you know I, I think of a few moments I think of a story that Renee Powell talks about when we speak to to Kathy's character. Of course, Renee Powell was the second African American woman to to compete on the LPGA. And like players do today, they often stayed in the in the same player hotel for, for the week. And at, at one stop in particular, Renee said that she went in to check in and 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 the person behind the desk said that they had lost her reservation. And and somebody went out and, and told Kathy what was going on. And and Kathy came back in and she said, either she stays or we all go. And and that was Kathy Whitworth. She she was a woman of of great character, and and she she looked out for for everyone else and put others first.
1: Bethan, her longtime partner Betty O'Dell said that Kathy Whitworth died after collapsing at Christmas Eve when they were celebrating at a, at a friend's home. Do we know any more at this stage about the actual cause of death?
8: Uh, uh, we we do not at at this point. But it but it does warm my heart to think that she was. Celebrating and laughing and creating, as as Betty said, wonderful memories. Uh, on as she left the earth, the, the same way that she lived her life.
0: Yeah, she was so warm, but she also had a toughness. Beth and as you know, she nearly gave up golf after a really hard rookie season, made only twelve hundred dollars that year. What kind of grit did Kathy and players of that era possess?
8: Well, you know, Kathy wasn't a founder of the LPGA, but she was almost there from the beginning. She certainly is a pioneer for the for the tour. And and she was extremely hard on herself. And and one thing that I, I love in her her little book of golf wisdom, she tells a story of, of when she signed with Wilson Sporting Goods and and they asked her to participate in their clinics. And so she spent six weeks with the great Patty Berg learning how to hit all these different golf shots and developing this one-hour script for this clinic and and she learned how to get out of trouble and she joked in the in the book that showbiz you know sort of uh, got her out of trouble but what it did was it taught her how to hit a hit a fade and she she says in another chapter I didn't win a golf tournament until I learned how to hit a fade and so not only did Patty Berg teach her how to hit out of a bunker from a good lie and a bad lie (laughs) but she learned how to shape shots and and what an incredible uh, gift that that was for her and so so of course uh, Kathy Wetworth's always going to give credit to, to those who came before her, and she also made sure that she felt the responsibility for those who came after her. And so, as hard as she was on herself, she was always thinking about what's best for the tour and how can I give back.
1: I'm curious about this, Beth If she enjoyed the mentorship of Patty Berg, to what extent did any players uh, of the current generation on the LPGA tour reach out? to Kathy Whitworth was she a mentor to any of the the more recent players
8: well the, the beautiful thing about Kathy is that she had this junior tournament that went on for years and so a lot of players have played in the Kathy Whitworth invitational from a very young age and 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 got to know Kathy and 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 who and who what she meant to the game and and who she was as a person and then of course they'd see her again at at the VOA she was very involved in the Volunteers of America tournament every year in Texas and and so you know I'm I'm sure a lot of players like me wish that we could have spent even more time with Kathy but I definitely think the, the beauty of Kathy not only playing on the LPGA tour for so long but continuing to be involved and and give back you know is that is that so many generations had the chance t- to get to know her and and learn from her and and if you don't have her book as i do on my shelf <laughs> you too can learn a lot of wonderful <laughs> nuggets and pearls of wisdom from kathy
0: beth and you the texas golf writer art strickland a good friend of mine likened kathy to to byron nelson you know gentleman gentlewoman do you think that kathy because of her warmth And her personality maybe isn't given the proper due that she deserves as a player.
8: Well, I think that she was fiercely competitive and that she wanted to win. That's all she cared about. She didn't care about money titles. She didn't care about, uh, you know, records, really. All she wanted to do was win every single week. And when you when you as Ron Cyrex said in the piece, when you look at the number of times that she finished runner up, gosh, she came awfully close so many times. In addition to her eighty eight victories, so you know, I think that that Kathy's you know determination, and 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 not only was she hard on herself, but I think one thing that's important to note is that she used that as motivation. So when she had a bad shot, she was motivated to do even better the next the next time around. It wasn't that 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 brought her down or, or took her out of the moment she was able to to use that that for good
1: you mentioned the number of wins the 88 wins the the 95 second place finishes bethan when you look at the current crop of players of active players on the lpga tour carrie webb's kind of semi-active semi-retired at this point with 41 wins next mm-hmm. on that list is NB park with 21 wins are we ever going to see the likes of kathy whitworth again when it comes to dominance
8: I, honestly, I can't imagine that it's it's ever going to happen again. I mean, not only from dominance, but from playing that long, <laughs> having a career that that sustains that long. It's just it's almost unheard of at, at this point in the game. When when you talk to younger players about you know what they want to accomplish in this game, and and you know, I mean, I, I think that's that's what's so beautiful about Kathy is, that, you know, her her legacy, you know, will will live on no matter what, even if someone does do what seems impossible now and break her record or even match her record of 88 victories, especially on the LPGA. Um, but, you know, she, she, will, she will live on forever in, in, in our minds and, and in our hearts and in the record books.
0: Yeah, she was prolific pure your class as well. Beth Ann. thank you so much for your time on this Wednesday. Thank you. And folks, today we continue to honor the life and legacy of one of the great winners in the history of our game, Kathy Whitworth who passed away on Christmas Eve at the age of 83.
6: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: We're going to be joined by one Hall of Famer paying tribute to another. The great Judy Rankin, a 26-time winner on the LPGA Tour, will join us to talk about her friend and rival, the late, great Kathy Whitworth, as we remember the life and times of golf's greatest ever champion. Golf Today continues now.
0: Golf Today.
1: Welcome back into Golf Today. I'm Eamon Lynch alongside Damon Hack. And Damon, Century Tournament of Champions Week, first of the new year, but the 10th of 44 Mm. events on the PGA Tour this season. Is it a reset week for guys on the PGA Tour?
0: I think it is. This is where the rubber meets the road. We have this designated event. We've got 17 of the top 20 in the world, eight of the top 10 in the world. It just feels like this is kind of the... The meat of the schedule, the heart of the schedule. I know as a golf fan and now golf journalist, this was a time of year, you know, when you just love seeing those pretty pictures from Kapalua. And you know that these are the best players from a year ago. So much to play for, so much to get ready for. They break out their new gear. They break out their new duds. This is just one of the most important events of the year that lost a little bit of its luster. You recall there was a time when the best players stopped going. Tiger field didn't go. To Maui anymore. But I feel like Justin Thomas, Jordan Speech, those players really kind of helped put a little more fuel into the century tournament of the champions.
1: And it's hard to say whether or not it's a sprint or a marathon since we have 35 straight weeks of PGA Tour action now. But not everyone's actually starting this year with that kind of clarity. You talked about new duds, new equipment. Patrick Cantley pointed out in his press conference yesterday that he's no longer under contract with Titleist, he's potential free agent on his equipment company but he's also no longer wearing the apparel sponsor mm. that he had as well so he's very much starting from a blank slate said he's in the market for both so not everyone has every bow tied up as they start this run to the fedex cup playoffs nine months from now
0: yeah well everyone at home can enjoy these pretty pictures starting tomorrow first round coverage at 6 p.m eastern time right here on golf channel PJ tour back in action for the first time in 2023, again, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, first-round coverage right here on Golf Channel. And as mentioned, fantastic field, 17 of the top 20. You got eight of the top 10. You see there Will Zalatoris coming back from injury, the seventh-ranked player in the world. Now, yesterday, Todd Lewis caught up with Will on the course.
2: Will, it's good to see you back out here on the PGA Tour. Where is your body right now?
4: Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I took – Kind of a little bit of an extended break. Um, you know, I was given 12 weeks and I made sure that I came back and hopefully never have to deal with this again. So uh, Mike Duffy, you know, Anthony Lissy, Damon, uh, Greg Rose, I mean, I had a lot of really smart guys that kind of told me what to do and uh, feel really good.
2: Right. Physically, you, you seemed good. Mentally, emotionally, was it tough sitting out, especially with the last two events in FedEx? Yeah, late? you know, it,
4: it was a lot to process because I hadn't had any time over the last two years to just kind of, sit back and kind of process and um, you know I felt the first month and a half yeah I got pretty bored and and was pretty frustrating to be sitting at home considering it felt like the last two years had gone by in a minute but um, you know those last two months once I was able to get a club back in my hand you know to an extent you know chipping and putting and then maybe finally getting into some irons and hitting some full swings by December um, you know it was great it was uh, it was a good time you know obviously uh, my life changed a little bit getting married and so uh, it was uh, it was a in an involuntary four months, that was actually really great.
2: Is this honeymoon, by the way?
4: No, we already went. All yeah. right, just
2: tell you. Mate, yeah. just say it's your second honeymoon, yeah, right? right. Double honeymoon. Yeah,
4: I told uh, her the same time next year. It sounds good to me.
2: <laughs> In regards to making sure this doesn't happen to your back again, did you have to alter your swing at all?
4: Yeah, a little bit. You know, Greg Rose uh, took the whole team with me to go to uh, San Diego, go to TPI, and go work with Greg, and uh, learned a lot. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, it's tough when, you know, my ball striking is obviously my, my – the best part of my game and you know you're trying to find the stuff that will help with longevity but uh it's really just minor tweaks and setup and um you know really you know he just he really just told me hey these are the few things you need to look out for down the road and you know hopefully never have to deal with with this again all right you haven't
2: competed Mm -hmm. at this high high level since the summer of last year Mm -hmm. you're coming here to a place you've never played before competitively Mm -hmm. what's a good week for you
4: I have no idea, um, you know, I feel really good, you know, I had a, I had a really good couple weeks at home working with the coaches, but um, I think if anything, just the excitement to get back, you know, four months of sitting sitting on your butt, not really doing much golf is, is pretty frustrating, so um, either way, you know, it's nice to earn your spot to come here and, um, you
2: know, we'll see what happens. Alright, Libby, broadened out finally, what's a good year for you?
4: You know, I think... That's a really good question. You know, I think, you know, right now it's just trying to get our feet wet and, you know, kind of see how I come out of the gates. And and from there, um, you know, we'll kind of assess things. But, you know, the focus, as always, is, you know, April, May, June, July. You know, those are your majors. And, uh, you know, between the players and the four majors. So, uh, really it's just trying to make sure that I'm prepped and ready to go by April. But you know where I feel with my game, I've I i do not really feel that rusty quite yet. Um, you know, we'll see obviously once I tee it up on Thursday where I'm at. But uh overall I feel really good. Speed's the same, you know, nothing's changed distance wise, haven't changed anything with the clubs. So, you know, um, you know, four months off is a long time, but everything still feels really good. Mm.
2: Wish you the best this week. Thanks, Thanks man.
4: Yeah, good to see you.
0: With more from Malice, welcome in the man on the ground, Todd Lewis always hustling. What more did you learn from your time? With Will in terms of the process of him coming back?
2: Well, first there's a mental and emotional aspect to him coming back. Let's not forget he had just won in Memphis, and then after that, he had to shut it down the rest of the year. He had been so much looking forward to finally winning on the PGA tour, so he had to fight through that bit of an obstacle. But physically Well, first he had to get some rehab on his back he's got these two herniating discs in his spine secondly rest but then he had to analyze his movement and he worked with dr greg rose who's a doctor of chiropractic about the movement in his golf swing and so he made some significant changes one was his ball position it was more towards his front foot now it's more centered secondly the movement itself it's more now rotational instead of a lateral shift so that doesn't put a lot of stress as much stress i should say on his back And he also made an equipment change. He has a a driver that's an inch and a quarter shorter. It's going to give him more accuracy, but also takes a lot more pressure on it off his back. Because it's shorter, he's a little more upright. Uh, You know, if he had a longer club, he'd have to stand farther away from the ball and bend a little more. So those are three big components that he's changed in his golf swing. But he's told me, as you heard there, his ball speed and his swing speed seems to be the same as it was prior to him sitting out. He seems optimistic. Another key thing about him is the fact we saw this with Tiger when he went through his back issues. He didn't really, uh, Will didn't get a chance to go full throttle with his golf swing until December. That time leading up to December, he worked on his chipping and his putting. He says like his short game has really improved. His putting has been a deficiency in his game, but he thinks he's better at that as well. And now that he does have finally... The pressure of winning off his back, he is much more at ease coming out of the PGA Tour. And if his body cooperates, he could have a really nice
1: 2023. Todd, another player in the field this week that might be dealing with some health issues, Xander Shoffley, the world number six. What can you tell us about him? Well,
2: he, like Will Zalatoris, has a back issue, but his is muscular, not structural like Will had. Um, It's been bothering him in the latter part of last year. It was really bothering him at the Hero World Challenge, but he fought through it and played, and it's really bothered him over the last week or so after arriving here in Hawaii. He has pulled out of the Pro-Am today. He is not going to play. And it's bothering him so much that he might consider getting an MRI here on the island to try to figure out what is going on with his back. He says it really bothers him when he's kind of in a relaxed mode, just kind of walking, then all of a sudden he'll get a cramp. So Xander Schauffele has had great success here at the Century Tournament of Champions, won this event, finished as a runner-up as well. But right now he's in jeopardy of not not only not playing well, but, you know, if it gets too bad for him, he may not play at all.
0: Mm, Todd Lewis reporting. It's a beautiful morning on Maui the 50th state of the Union folks with the new year it's time now to make some bold predictions for 2023. Let's welcome back Paige McKenzie you know I always love doing the kind of the bold prediction thing maybe we'll look back at some point later in the year at what we you know threw out on January 4th what's your bold prediction page for the year.
5: I don't I don't know how bold this is because um, it relates to a player that's been trending in the right direction has had a, a, a couple of wins. Uh, notched up last season, and I'm going with Tony Fiena to win a major championship this upcoming season. The reason why I'll at least qualify that I think it's bold is that he didn't uh, PLAY THAT WELL IN THE MAJOR CHAMPIONSHIPS LAST YEAR. NOW, HE'S HAD SUCCESS IN PREVIOUS YEARS, uh, IN 2018 THROUGH 2021, HE HAD NINE TOP 10s IN 13 STARTS. BUT WHEN YOU LOOK AT JUST HIS MOST RECENT PERFORMANCE IN MAJORS, THE RESULTS HAVEN'T BEEN THERE. SO I THINK FOR TONY FI NOW, uh, MOVING FORWARD INTO THIS SEASON, FOR HIM TO WIN A MAJOR, THAT'S A PRETTY BOLD PREDICTION.
0: I THINK THAT'S FAIR CONSIDERING THE BIT OF A THIN RESUME IN MAJOR CHAMPIONSHIPS AS Paige uh, NOTES.
1: Yeah, he has a, those ten top ten finishes there. Nothing particularly recent, but you know the three victories this year kind of elevated Tony Finau from a guy that people wondered why he wasn't winning enough to now it seems a perfectly natural conversation mm. as to why isn't he winning big tournaments that matter. Uh, I mean, I'm, when I make my prediction, I'm just thankful for the fact that there are 361 days left in this year so it can either have enough time to come true <laughs> or enough time to be forgotten. Because mine also comes around to... Uh, a major winner winning again, which is Lydia Ko. It's been seven years since Lydia won her second and last major title at the Chevron Championship. I'm going to bet that she wins another major and that she walks away from the game. Whoa! I think life is changing, priorities are changing. She just got married. She did famously say that she would be gone by the time she's 30. She's still only 25, turns 26 in April. But she was on the show here in November, and she was pretty noncommittal about her playing intentions beyond 2023 she's gotten back to number one in the world she's won three times this year perhaps playing the best golf of her career which is a high bar from Lydia Ko but I think if she gets one more major I think she will go out on top
0: wow Paige what do you think you want to talk about bold Lydia another major maybe not so bold but walking away from the game
5: I mean that's I feel like it's going out on a very, very small limb uh, for Eamon Lynch. But I, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening for a couple of reasons. I think when she said that she would retire by 30, that's in a different phase in her life. She is married. Her husband, her now husband, was at her most recent win at the CME uh, Tour Championship. And if she can maintain that that balance on the road where she has like family life, while she's still competing, I think that's what most players worry about is how do you balance it? Uh, how do you ha- maintain a normal life on tour and, and now she's managed to to, to, find a, to get a husband, find a husband, um, have that shared life that could potentially be on tour? Yeah, it's a
0: good point, but you know to your point, she's been at this for a long time like she's young. But she has been in the spot, on the absolutely, winning as a teenager, you know, success in Canada and winning your major as a teenager. I mean, she has been much like a- Alexi Thompson. She's been in the public eye for a very long time.
1: Well, if I'm out on this tiny limb, and it can't be that small a limb to hold my weight these days, <laughs> if I'm out on this tiny limb, as Paige said, I
0: want to know how tiny a limb you're going to go out on here, Damon, with a bold prediction. Some might think this is tiny. I'm going to say Rory McElroy wins the Masters. And completes the career grand slam. And my comp is going to be Fred Couples in 1992, winning the Masters. You might say, "Well, wait a second. Fred hadn't won a major back in 1989. Fred had a chance to to help the U.S. win the Ryder Cup for his good friend and mentor Ray Floyd. Freddie lost Sunday singles to Christy O'Connor Jr. That low point." motivated Fred Couples to become the best player in the world and win the Masters in 1992. I see a similar situation with Rory McIlroy, with the low point in Wisconsin, the tears, putting the pieces back together to have this triumphant climb to the mountaintop. He's the number one player in the world. In April, does it need the Masters? I think wants to win it, but everything in his life seems to be in working order. He has motivation with Live Golf this growing family, business interests outside the game, complete control of his ball striking, sublime on the greens, wedges hitting tight, no longer flying the greens. I just feel like... You're measuring him for that jacket, right? Here. I am measuring <laughs> it. I don't know the size, but I just feel like everything... He doesn't need it. That's, that's the beauty. I think that like Rory McIlroy is a man in full, Paige McKenzie, and because of that, because he doesn't need it, he will get it.
5: I love that that's how you put it. Uh, he doesn't need it so he can get it. I feel like there's times where golf has felt labored for Rory. And as of late, it has felt easy, at least from a, from my perspective. Uh, I don't know how he feels about it, but it certainly looks easier. It feels less labored. It feels less um, weighty for for Rory McIlroy, even though potentially he has a greater weight on his shoulders in that he's carrying the flag of the PGA Tour in this kind of uh, divided world that we live in. So I, I love this. I love this call. I don't know if it's Super Bowl, but I, I, I don't care, because I like to see Rory McIlroy play well at Augusta National.
1: And that context, Paige, offers is interesting, because we've talked so much this year about how Rory McIlroy, and he said it himself, with taking this flag-carrying role for the PGA Tour, While it might be a noise and distraction for a lot of people, he's claimed it's motivation. He's played well. He won the FedEx Cup, put himself in the mix in several majors. So that will be part of the context as well when we get to Augusta in April because there's going to be no noisier event Mm. this year when it comes to Live versus the PGA Tour because that's where the Live guys are going to be. And if we are measuring him for that jacket, I'm guessing it's probably about a 38 short.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. I tell you what, if he sees Dustin Johnson or Cameron Smith walking astride him on a Sunday afternoon at Augusta. I mean, he's already got a million reasons to be motivated for it, but that's just one more big reason for Roy McElroy to get off the schneid and win that elusive green jacket. You think people are going to be watching that Sunday? No question about it, folks. Still to come on golf today, our good friend Judy Rankin will give her thoughts on one of the greatest winners in the history of the game, Kathy Whitworth. Judy joins us next. Welcome back to Golf Today. We continue to reflect on the life of LPGA Hall of Fame member Kathy Whitworth, who died on Christmas Eve at the age of 83. She won 88 times on the LPGA Tour, also won at least once every year for 17 straight years. And the resume is remarkable. Six major championships among those 88 wins, eight-time LPGA Tour leading money winner, seven-time LPGA Tour Player of the Year, seven-time Vare Trophy winner for scoring average, twice named the AP Female Athlete of the Year and a member of the LPGA Hall of Fame and the World Golf Hall of Fame as well. With more on the life and legacy of Kathy Whitworth, welcome another Hall of Fame member, Judy Rankin. Judy, we hear so much about the 88 wins, but you knew both the competitor and the person. Who was Kathy Whitworth to you?
6: You know, over um, many years, um, a better and better friend, and uh, I was with her just this past October, so um, really sad to see this happen. I, I can I can assure everyone that at the very end of her life, she was really happy. Um, she seemed to be reasonably healthy. Um, I, I do believe it was a heart attack that took her, but um, all in all, uh, she was— uh, Uh, She was living her best life right up to that Christmas Eve.
1: Judy, we've seen the the list of accomplishments here, the kind of things that are read out at Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, but what was Kathy Whitworth like as a person?
6: Um, Well, there's so many things I could say about Kathy as a person. Uh, You could disagree with her. You could argue with her. Um, You could, um, you know, have rousing discussions. Um, but it was never terminal to your friendship and i think that's a great thing uh, for people to be that way and certainly people who have um, people who have some opinions or strong opinions which kathy did have but she uh she also was um, in many ways very private and uh, she was uh, not looking to um, invade anyone else's privacy it's one of the things i think that uh, many people liked about her. Um, she was also, she could be your confidant if you wanted to talk to somebody. And uh, I think she was for many um, young players or players younger than she was over the years. Um, I have a great story, which takes a minute, if you'll um, bear with me. Um, she came to Midland, Texas and and uh, spoke at a charity event that um, I I was raising some money. Anyway, um, She was, I I thought Kathy might be just a little dry or this, that. Well, I tell you, she was anything but. She was absolutely great. She was very funny about the game and um, how you pursue the game and all that. And one of her things was, you know, you played these three holes. If you didn't play them well, you played those three holes again. And I kind of came from a school like that, where if you didn't play the first hole well, you went back to the first tee and started over. (laughs) Um, but uh, one of the things she told that evening um, is a story I will never forget. And I, maybe you have to be a little bit older and you gentlemen may not know this at all, um, but someone in your family will. Kathy, Kathy's mother was um, a, a dedicated green stamp. So they were called S green stamps and you would save stamps and you would put them in a book. And depending on how many books or how many stamps you had, there were different things you could buy. Well, Kathy convinced her mother to give her some green stamps. And that is how she got her first golf club. And for anybody who ever heard of SH green stamps, that is an amazing story because usually you were buying a frying pan or, um, you know, a vacuum cleaner, something of that nature. But the uh, the cap on the story is many years later, in the very early 70s, there was a tournament in Houston, Texas that was sponsored by SH green stamps. Kathy won that tournament and she gave her mother her stance back.
0: Oh, I love that story, Judy. There's so many great stories about Kathy, including one that said that during her rookie season she struggled to, to have a scoring average south of 80, made $1,200, considered quitting the game. How did she get from there, in your mind, to the most prolific winner in professional golf?
6: I think, um, I think a lot of work. I think a lot of time on the practice tee. I think a lot of uh, experimenting. Um, I think along the way there were people who helped her, certainly um, at, at some longer point in her life. Harvey Penick helped her some. But um, I think she figured a lot of it out for herself, and that's probably um, one reason that she won a lot. I think, I think players who have a, a – uh, are better at self-correcting on the golf course, um, you know, play very well. And they they often are the players who don't shoot a lot of high numbers because they can self-correct. And I think she could always do that. And she was not, um, you know, I would always say that Mickey Wright p- played so much of her golf as a beautiful game. And she, t- she just took a lot of pleasure in hitting the beautiful golf shot. Kathy Whitworth took a lot of pleasure in hitting the right golf shot and hitting the shot that worked and helped her score. And uh, that would be the difference in the two players, two very great players, extraordinary players. But Kathy was a player, um, not necessarily the most beautiful swinger of the golf club, um, not necessarily um, somebody that you would say stood out at one thing or another, although she was quite a good putter with a little bit of an outside in loop. Um, but she was just a player and players find a way to win when it's good. When it's good, they're very good. And when it's not real good, they're usually pretty good. And I think that's how she won so many times.
1: Those 88 wins that she had, are, they're actually dwarfed by the 95 second place finishes, Judy, three of which came to you. You beat her in a playoff in Houston the year before Cathy won that yeah. SNH Green Stamp Classic. I'm just wondering if... You had, obviously, respect for all of your opponents in in the 26 victories you had, but did it mean a little bit more when you were facing down the all-time winner like Kathy Whitworth on Sunday to win an LPGA Tour event?
6: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, uh, Mickey and Kathy were... um, ..were the ultimate Um, when I was a very young girl, a teenager (laughs) and so on, um, playing on the Tour, and then just, you know, a a young woman playing. But... um, Yes, it definitely meant more. It definitely uh, made you grind a little harder. Uh, it definitely made you not quite as confident as you might have been playing two or three other different players. But uh, yeah, she she had loud footsteps and, um, and she was the least of the cocky people I have ever known.
0: A wonderful champion. And Judy, we don't get to see as much as we used to but it's wonderful seeing you even in these difficult circumstances thank you so much for your time on this wednesday and happy new year to you
6: well same to both of you same to everyone who's listening and um uh kathy had a had a very good and rich life and i, I am particularly happy to say um she was great at the end of her life
0: wonderful to have the hall of famer judy rankin with us today we have some other sad news to mention, former Ryder Cup player and European golf standout Barry Lane died on Saturday at the age of 62. He made 693 starts on the DP World Tour and is fourth on the tour's all-time appearance list. He took up the game at the age of 14, becoming an assistant professional before joining the tour in 1982. Six years later, in 1988, he would record his first official win at the Scottish Open at Glen Eagles. Four more wins would follow on the European tour with an appearance at the 1993 Ryder Cup in the middle. His fifth and final win on tour came at the British Masters in 2004. Barry Lane was 62. Welcome back to Golf Today.
1: 2022 was a stellar year for Lydia Ko. On the golf course, she won three times, including the season-long race to the CME Globe and in the process returned to the number one spot in the Rolex women's rankings. And off the course, it was a big year, too. On December 30th, Ko married her long-time boyfriend, Jung Chung, in a ceremony held in South Korea.
0: How about that? they had what, some big-time highlights from the past season. You see the major champions there. How about the 11 first-time winners, five multiple winners, Lydia Ko, winner of the CME Group Tour Championship, and Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Natai Titikun from Thailand. Right now, let's look ahead to the new season and bring back Paige McKenzie in this LPGA look ahead. Paige, what stands out to you as we look forward to the new year?
5: Well, it was obviously a banner year for Lydia Ko, but you could also say uh, that there was quite a mix-up at the top of the world rankings throughout the season. Uh, Started the season with Jin Young Ko uh, in good position, but she fought injuries. Nelly Korda missed three or four months of the year due to her blood clot injury. And then uh, obviously some great play by Nelly at the end, Lydia at the end. So when I look at this upcoming year, I get very excited with the race to number one in the world. Can Lydia Ko hold on or will there be a charge from Nellie Korda? Uh, Ataya Titikun also took over the spot for a brief period of time last year, that rookie of the year. She had an opportunity to be player of the year come end of the season. Minji Lee came as high as two in the world due to her good performance in major championships and again, will Jin Young Ko get back in position where she's healthy and can compete week in and week out. She had a level of dominance that the LPGA had not seen in quite some time when she held that world ranking for over a year. So I'm curious to see, can Lydia hang on or is she going to be pressured by some of these chargers and and make it an exciting uh, number one in the world kind of race throughout the season?
1: Let's talk about the schedule for a moment, Paige. There are some, obviously, great venues on the lineup this year. There are some uncertainties on the schedule as well. What are you most looking forward to?
5: Uh, For me, major championships always kind of pique my interest. And in particular, over the last several seasons, what we've seen is some of the great venues that the women have gone to and the purses increasing and all of that is important the majors from the regular events. But keeping an eye on, in particular, this first major championship of the season, the Chevron Championship, this, of course, was known as the Craft Abisko, the Dinosaur over the years, was always played in California in Mission Hills. We have now moved to the Houston, Texas area at the club at Carlton Woods. So I'm curious to see how this history will be uh, memorialized at this new venue uh, and also one of my favorite events of the year. How will it continue at a new venue? Uh, Obviously, ball an exciting new venue for the, the women and then Pebble Beach. This to me is at the top of the list as it relates to venues that the women will play this year in major championships. First time ever that the women will be playing Pebble Beach in a US Open. So I'm sure a lot of golf fans will be excited to see Pebble once again. On, on air, but more importantly, to see how the women will tackle that golf course. You
0: have know, told me 25 years ago, Muirfield, Old Course, Pebble Beach, Baltusrol, it's a wonderful time for the LPGA. Thank you so much, Paige.
5: Yeah, thanks, Damon.
0: And I tell you what, buddy, I was down in South Florida during the holidays. I spent some time with the tennis coach of Sebastian Korda, Radik Stepanek, from, mm-hmm. from the Czech Republic, who was great Peter a great old player he won a couple of grand slam doubles tournaments and he of course is coaching Sebastian Corda who's Nelly Corda's brother it just reminds me of this family and this incubation that Nelly has had growing up obviously with her dad Peter Corda and mom Regina who was a fantastic tennis player she is in this moment in time where I feel like she's going to come back in 2023 and win two more major championships she's healthy now When you are a young person in the prime of health and you have something taken away from you, you get perspective that you didn't have before. I think with the way she grew up, with the skill set that she has, and with the gratitude that she possesses looking forward, I think she's going to be back as the best player on the LPGA Tour. Speaking of how she grew up, are you a believer that the fact
1: that she grew up surrounded by high achievers in athletics, her parents, the coaches, the family friends, does that give her a belief in herself and what she ought to be achieving that maybe is a a psychological step that other players might have to get up there for?
0: I think so. It's just not a big deal. Success, hard work, it's part and parcel with what she saw as a child. And I covered the NFL for many years, very similar with Peyton and Eli, the dad, Archie, was a fantastic quarterback. It's just, it's in the DNA. It's, it's in the water, Page, I, I look at Nellie Corda, kind of built in the same way, having spent some time with her, success, high bar, high goals. There's just nothing that seems out of the realm of possibility because that's how she grew
5: up. Yeah, there's a lot of physical gifts and physical talents, but one of the things that's always stood out to me from Nellie Korda is her mental side, aspect. Uh, I remember when she first won the Australian Open and her first opportunity to kind of complete that Korda group Grand Slam of Australian Opens. And I, I like to see her in these team events as well. And when we talk about looking ahead to 2023, it's obviously it's a Solheim Cup year, which everybody looks forward to. It's the pinnacle of what uh, women's golf has had But I don't want you to forget also about International Crown uh, when you look ahead to what's coming this season. We talked about uh, how important team events are, whether it's Ryder Cup, President's Cup. To me, International Crown and the format that they use is superior. It's four players from eight different countries that get to represent in this kind of round-robin format. This is what we're looking for. When you talk about the LPGA Tour, you talk about the best players in the world, they come from everywhere. It's not just Europe and the United States. They come from everywhere. It gives players an opportunity uh, to compete as a team from everywhere around the world if your team and country can qualify. And it's great to see this event return to the schedule, Damon and Eamon. Uh, It was played in 2014, 16, 18. It was supposed to be played in 20, was canceled due to COVID. And this is the first time it's back on the schedule. Uh, So exciting times for the LPGA Tour. And, And I love this format. I think this is something that a lot of people have appreciated about kind of capturing the rest of the world, whether it's a Brooke Henderson from Canada, uh, if, if we can get Team Canada to qualify, whether it's Korea, who wouldn't have been able to participate in uh, Solheim Cup. So exciting format for the, the women that will be playing this year.
1: And I'm fascinated by someone Paige mentioned earlier as well, Jin Young-Ko, who went through that stretch where she was just so imperiously dominant mm. in this game. Now she's, she's never sounded more lost. She's, you know, number five in the world is nothing to turn your nose up at but she sounds more lost and lacking in confidence than she ever has before it tells you how high
0: the success was for her and I think Paige makes a wonderful point about the LPGA really wrapping its arms around its diversity and its international flavor and kind of leaning on it. I thought Mike Wan, the former commissioner did a wonderful job of playing up the international part and makeup of the LPGA tour a lot of people with a lot of high bars being set for them <laughs> in 2023 <laughs>